Thanks for listening to the Eagles High School Sports Podcast. Before we start with the show, uh, Cameron and Lexington canceled their game due to COVID-19 reasons after we recorded the podcast. So this is just giving an update on what we'll be talking about. That game is not happening, uh, but enjoy the rest of the show. Well, it's just about time. We've got 5A and 6A football coming right up on us. Taps is about to start again. 1A to 4A are already, you know, we got, we got district starting for, for one district at least. So we, we are in the full swing of football here uh, in the Brazos Valley. Welcome back to the Eagles High School Sports Podcast. I'm Jeff Perkins, uh, my fellow Eagle, uh, Eagle writer and digital coordinator, do-everything guy, Alex Miller, and uh, to my, I guess in the screen, to my left. And then we're joined by KAG's reporter and anch- uh, anchor, right? Or just reporter? I'll take it. Yeah. It's all Mike, the same. Mike Lucas, uh, always like to collaborate with those guys. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. I love Alex's headset. I can't tell if he's going to give me the hottest football takes in the Brazos Valley or sell me life insurance. So I'm, I'm ready to rock. Somewhere in well, between. <laughs> Well, uh, and Abigail could not make it uh, with us this week. Uh, we hope to have her back next week, so we're looking forward to that. But in the meantime, like I said, 5A, 6A taps all right around the corner, all you know, wrapping up their very kind of abbreviated preseason practice schedule. They've got uh, they've got scrimmages this week, and you know they hope to find out a lot more about themselves this week. And I think we hope to find out more about them as well. Um, just a brief rundown of, of, of who's scrimmaging who college station will go against temple. Saul is going to go against Colleen Ellison. Obviously you got Brian and Rudder keeping that rivalry alive through scrimmage. Uh, Brazos Christian against Hyde park, Allen Academy against Cedar park summit and St. Joseph's versus Katie faith West. So out of all of those teams, all, all the Brian college station teams, what are you hoping to learn about them this week? Am I starting? Yeah, you can yeah go ahead, Mike. I, I'm most excited to see Jet Huff in that college station offense and see how that looks with Jet Huff under center full-time after splitting time with Austin Sosa last year. Uh, just talking to Jet and, and Coach Huff throughout the summer, Jet's been putting in the work, and then you add, you know, Houston Thomas, Roderick Brown, and all those weapons they have coming back, uh, Dalton Kearns as well. That offense should be the explosive. I'm just really excited for this Cougars team as they kind of round into – the upperclassmen that we've been waiting them waiting for them to become. They were all underclassmen the last couple of years making impacts on varsity. Now that it's their time to shine in the junior and senior roles, I think Steve Huff and that Cougars program, the future is extremely, extremely bright. So one of those games in particular uh, excites me. I know Brian Rudder, the rivalry might be the easy choice, but I'm excited to see what College Station, that offense looks like uh, after some quarantine and COVID. And yeah, talk- I'll echo what Mike said. Oh. Go ahead, go Jeff. Ahead. No, you go. You go. You got it. Oh, I was just going to echo what Mike said uh, on College Station. Um, that That's one that I'm intrigued to see. And they got a great test. Playing Temple is a test for anybody. We know a few years back, College Station had to fend off Temple for a pair of district titles. And so uh, you're going to find out what you got pretty quick before the games even start for real. And so that that's going to be a good uh, measuring stick before regular season gets rolling next week. 
and we know that district that College Station plays in the last couple of years. Um, and they're playing again this year. Some really tough teams, especially at the top. A bit of a top-heavy district, but you know, it's it, because it's so top-heavy, really difficult to to get in that district title conversation. And and I talked to Coach Huff, and he said, you know, th there's a reason they're scheduling Temple, and and then the teams that they've got in non-district, they've got a pretty tough slate there as, as well. So, um, yeah, there. I think everything is geared towards, you know, trying to take advantage of that of that core that's now juniors and seniors instead of sophomores and juniors, freshmen and sophomores. So, uh, yeah, good, good thing there. Um, and then I, I'll take the obvious one and go with Brian Rudder. Um, lots of question marks for both teams. Uh, you know, replacing the running game for Rudder. Uh, seems like they, they have to every year. Uh, went from Cavante Johnson to um, – I'm missing somebody, but then James Ayers took over last year and now he's gone. Uh, so it just seems to be a move the line for the, for the running game. So it'll be interesting to see who emerges there. And then Brian, again, just in, they went from one tough district to another in 6A and they've got some experience returning, not a lot of success last year, but again, looking forward to see what Nico Bullhoff and that offense can, can try and muster up this year. We know Ross Rogers, likes to to gamble a little bit so we'll we'll see what's in store for them this year one um, thing with one thing with brian real quick uh nick Carraway, the linebacker is getting looks from from a lot of big time schools and they got i think paul hemphill's the other the other kid i've seen getting some recruiting looks so when you have two players who are getting recruited at uh d1 some of the power five colleges i'm not saying you're gonna win a lot of games but you should be at least in a lot of games with those two alone. So I know Ross Rogers knows how to win a game. Uh, I'm excited to see the Vikings kind of start trending upwards after the last few years. We've been on a bit of a slide. And then just a brief, um, brief roundup of the, of the private schools. Uh, you got Brazos Christian and Allen Academy, both replacing quarterbacks, really good quarterbacks uh, in Bryce Steele at Brazos Christian and uh, Boyd, uh, Brandon Boyd at, Brandon at Allen Boyd. Academy. So uh, I think that's, again, what you're going to be looking for in those scrimmages. I know that uh, both coaches are real confident in who they have coming in. Brent Tucker at Allen Academy, who's been a wide receiver, a running back, kind of doing whatever they need him to do, and that doesn't change this year. They slot him into quarterback. I know, uh, I know they're really excited about him. And then at Brazos Christian, the Hancock brothers came over last year from BV Chia and uh, I know they're really excited about Levi Hancock taking over at quarterback there. Um, and then we won't spend too much time on Consol, uh, but I think just, I think everything seems to be wide open uh, for the Tigers this year. Just so many replacements uh, to, you know, they, to be found uh, for all the guys that they lost to Oklahoma and Texas tech and Sam Houston and, placing people all over the place. And so I think coming out of this week's scrimmage against Ellison, you'll get a lot more clarity there. I think for once, the one clear thing coming out of Consol is who's going to play quarterback. Uh, usually Lee Fedora is pretty coy, even if most people are suspecting something, but he was pretty straight up with right now. Kyle Willis uh, is the starter going into the season. Um, anything else that we have on scrimmages that, that you guys could think of? 
I'm just excited to see the big schools play again. I mean, it's been awesome the last three weeks seeing the little guys, but, you know, the big guys one step faster in some case, not, not every case, but in some cases one step faster, uh, 10 pounds bigger. So I'm just excited to see those big schools get back in the field. Well, when it comes to, when it comes to small school guys that uh, can run with the best of them, I think uh, Mike Lucas got to see several uh, last week in probably the best game, one of the best games in the whole state, if not the best last week as Lexington downed Rockdale 35-34 with some real heroics by Jared Kerr. I mean, I've been in Texas for almost two years now, and that was without a doubt the best high school game I've seen since being down here. It's the best high school game I've covered since I started working in sports media about four and a half years ago. Jeff, Alex, I'm telling you, half the team for both Rockdale and Lexington could play at almost any cover. I mean, the offensive lines were both big. The skill position dudes were electric once they got the ball in their hands, and both quarterbacks – Jared Kerr played quarterback most of the time for Lexington. It was more direct snap, but that kid is special. On offense, I think he had 40 carries for 250-something yards and five total touchdowns. On defense, 17 tackles, an interception, the game-saving play. You know, it, it was one of those things where Rockdale scored late, and it's a brand-new head coach at Rockdale. Kirk Mole at Lexington is in his 21st year as head coach. Jacob Cansey at Rockdale is in his very first year looking for that first signature win, decided to go for two. Uh, Cameron Valdez had just scored two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter. He's a four-star prospect with, you know, his top seven includes SEC, ACC, Pac-12, and, and Big 12 schools, or maybe not eight, but he's got four of the five conferences in his top seven. Uh, I probably would have given him the ball there if I was a coach, but I don't pretend to know as much about football as Coach Campsey and that Tiger staff. They decided to roll out Kobe Mitchell. Kerr makes the game-saving tackle about, no joke, Maybe like this far away from the goal line. Mitchell stretched the ball out the last second. Uh, but it was it was an electric atmosphere. It was our game of the week. And a lot of times that doesn't live up to the hype. This time it absolutely did. And, I yeah, I was pretty lucky to be there, Jeff. I, I missed you guys out there. I'm not going to lie. Uh yeah, it just sound, it sounded like uh, it sounded like everything that we thought it would be. Uh, and just following along on, on Twitter, usually that – you don't get that kind of excitement following through Twitter, but you know, I, I felt like, I felt like just with every update, I could kind of see what was happening, you know, just because we've seen the highlights from Valdez and, and Kerr and Keyshawn Raven and now Kobe Mitchell for Rockdale. Uh, yeah, Kobe, so, Kobe's a stud, by the way, he, he doesn't get as much love as he deserves, but Kobe's a stud. Well, I mean, he was, he was the Brazos Valley player of the week for week two. Uh, and, and then Jared Kerr, Brass Valley player of the week uh, for us for week three. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them wins a couple more of those this year. Um, but, you know, clearly, clearly the question from here is, you know, what can we expect from these teams moving forward? What do you think the ceiling is? Well, I'll start, start with Lexington. They're in 3 AD2. When you have a player of Kerr's ability – on both sides of the ball, you have a chance to win every single game you play. That is first and foremost. We talked to Lexington coach Kirk Mule earlier this afternoon, and I kind of asked him, just like, after an emotional win like that, how do you refocus your guys for the task at hand? I mean, Cameron Yo, the road doesn't get much easier for them. And he said on Saturday they came back together, they watched the film, and they, they saw a bunch of mistakes they made. And despite the win, they felt they didn't play their best game. And if beating Rockdale, a, a school that's ranked in the top 10 an entire classification bigger than them, isn't their ceiling. 
Uh, I think that's a scary thought for the rest of class 3A D2. Kurt ran the ball almost exclusively at 40-something carries. They didn't even really throw the ball with their, their starting quarterback. Uh, if they get him in a rhythm and diversify the offense a little bit more, I think that that only uh, amplifies their chance to beat anyone on any given day. And the one thing that they do, or the two things with Lexington, their offensive line is so underappreciated. That is a really, 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 really good offensive line, and, and they deserve the love. I don't know their names, but they're really good. And then two, the way they play defense, they put eight in the box and force you to throw the ball with Kerr at free safety, kind of ranging around, and they press you at the top. If you have a quarterback that can that can throw the ball consistently and receivers that can get open, I think you could put up points against Lexington. And I thought Rockdale was going to be able to, but they didn't until the very end. They, they had to kind of find find their way to points late. And I think just that style of defense is going to throw teams off who aren't accustomed to throwing the ball and having to beat press man coverage with, you know, a, a power five player roaming at free safety. For Rockdale, they're going to be fine. Um, if they played 10 times, I, I'd probably say let Rockdale win six of them. It was pretty close. Uh, and they had a couple of costly mistakes and penalties that, that derailed drives. But when you got Cameron Valdez, Keyshawn Raven, Kobe Mitchell, Anthony Dansby, and, and some of those guys on defense, Ty Danbury, the number eight, the defensive tackle. Ty May- yeah, Ty Mayberry. Mayberry, yeah. He, that I mean, defensive lineman. They, they, they have studs across the board. Like I said, they had a couple of mistakes that derailed them. But I'm not ca- – I left that game saying both these teams are really good, not Lexington's eons better than Rockdale. I think they both are still legit state title contenders. Yeah, I think that game told me two things. One, kind of like what Mike said, Rockdale's going to be fine. Uh, Kobe Mitchell's going to be good for them at quarterback. You know, he had his good debut against Taylor, but it was Taylor. It wasn't a very good team. But last week he showed, hey, like I'm, I'm QB1 and we're good to roll. So Rockdale's going to be fine. But the Lexington, Lexington's legit. And mm-hmm. if all thing is they have to go play at Cameron, uh, that's going to be the big test. Prove that last week wasn't a one-hit wonder. And if Lexington goes and beats Cameron on the road, all of a sudden Lexington goes from kind of this dark horse to true state contender, in my opinion. And like you said, Mike, when you're at that 3AD2 level and you've got a guy like Cameron or Jared Kirk, excuse me, you can roll with that one dude and lean on some other talented guys around really cruise in those small school divisions, I feel like, with one really strong dude. And they've got guys across the board that are going to help him. It's not just Jared Kirk. Yeah, and for Lexington, you mentioned that offensive line, Mike. It's something that they've had brew in the last few years. They've had representatives on the Aubrazis Valley team from the offensive line for I think the last three or four years, you had Kate Hawley there for a while. Um, Jordan Cranston had a couple good years there as well. And now uh, last year, Juan Lara, the center was, was the guy on the, on the all Brazos Valley team. And he's, he's a senior now and he's the leader of that unit. And talking to coach, coach Mole weeks ago, um, I doubt it's changed since then, but he just loves the physical nature that Lara plays with. I think he's like, he's, I think he's 5'11". Is he 54? I think so. He's like 5'11". He, he, laid out, he laid out a couple kids against Rob. I mean, straight up and laid them out. That dude is not a guy I want to see in the dark alley coming at me. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a big kid, 5'11", 275. Uh, and Coach Mole loves how he just he gets after people. 
I think he only allowed one sack last year too. So he, he's good at pass blocking. He's good at run blocking. Um, and he's definitely the leader of that unit. So I feel like offensive linemen are always pretty unsung, but definitely that Kerr was the piece they were missing last year before he came aboard, but they had, they had a solid foundation, even though they started 0 and 6. Uh, they had that good offensive line. They had most of the pieces of, of a really great defense. They were just missing, you know, a spot at linebacker, a spot at free safety, and just that dynamic playmaker. And once Kerr and it, his name slips my mind, but there was another guy who, a uh, linebacker who joined the team at the same time as Kerr did last year. And once they joined that team, it was like the last pieces to the puzzle. And it was a completely different team after that. They went five and two, went to the third round, and now we see the potential that this team has. So, yeah, I think, I think you're both right. The takeaway from last week is two exceptionally great teams that have the potential to do something special this year. And that's even without Jace Robinson, who, like we talked about the last couple of weeks, you know, he hopes to be back for the playoffs. Whether that happens remains to be seen. But if Rockdale gets back Jace Robinson and you can move Kobe Mitchell to another spot in that offense and just add another playmaker, that's like, I don't, I don't know how you defend that. It's scary. And last thing, we'll move on. That was Mitchell's second game ever as a quarterback on the varsity level. He hasn't played quarterback since eighth grade. I mean, this is his second game as a starter. He had three touchdowns, uh, one passing, two rushing. I mean, they're going to be just fine, and they're going to get better as Mitchell gets more comfortable under center. Uh, so yeah, so let's talk a little Bremont Milano. Uh, Alex, you were there last week, and, man, after that week one loss to Normandy, who also looks really good uh, early returns this year. Um, but after that week one kind of – narrow upset loss to, to Normandy. Bremont's looked really great the last few weeks. Yeah, Bremont's kind of back to their old selves after that opening week loss, like you said. And Seth Kozowski, I mean, he is rolling under center. And shotgun, too. Uh, kind of running that read option with Jare Bledsoe, big old number 99. That guy is tough to tackle. Um, but Kazowski, I mean, he orchestrated a great game in all three phases, not just a quarterback, but he played really well on defense, and he had a couple of nice kick returns in the punt game, which really helped Bremont set up some nice field position, but his legs were definitely the difference. He rushed for 184 yards. He had three touchdowns. All three of them were in the first half, and, you know, defenses, they kind of have to key in on Jare Bledsoe when you, I mean, it takes like two or three guys to take him down. He's 6'4", 250, uh, maybe bigger than that, honestly. And when Kazowski keeps it and pulls and that defensive end bites, I mean, he's to the edge and he's hard to catch. It's off to the races for him. Um, and, you know, the big thing for Bremont, something that they noted was that they kind of shuffled around some guys on the offensive line. Uh, quarterback David Williams, he moved to offensive tackle. That was a big move for Bremont, getting him there and getting some good protection for Kazowski. Uh, they got a couple other offensive linemen back this last week. And so the, the offense is just stronger up front. And Milano, they had a hard time. They were a lot smaller than Bremont. Um, their running back, Josh Millar, he had a tough night. He was battling some back spasms. Um, and so Milano had a hard time getting things rolling. And Bremont took advantage of that, and they had a very convincing victory. So, yeah, I think Bremont's back to their old selves again. You got anything, Mike? We, 
it was just week one, we were all shocked at Normagy, and I think, or we shocked Bremont lost to Normagy, and in hindsight, Normagy turned out to be a really good football team, and Bremont was just implementing a bunch of new pieces. Uh, I don't think anyone left that first game being like, hey, Bremont's going to stink this year. Uh, right. But, but they look like they're rolling. I would love to see Seth Kosowski throw the ball a little more. I think they get so dependent on that run game, which can be deadly, that teams are putting eight, nine, sometimes even ten guys in the box. If Kosowski, who I know can throw the ball, we saw him dominate seven on seven here last year. Uh, I think he made it to the state semifinals in Division One. I'm, I'm not sure, the, the small division. Uh, I know he can throw the ball. And I know with uh, Hunter Wolganowski and TJ Grimes on the outside, they got some weapons out there. I would like to see him open the playbook up a little bit more. I think that would unlock the rest of their offense. But overall, man, Bremont, once again, just like Rockdale, they may have lost the game. They're still contender. I think Bremont's still a legit contender in Class 2 AD, too. Yeah, no, and Mike, I think it's interesting you note that because last week they did try and throw the ball. They they, they had about 15 passes, and Kozowski was only fifth, or 5 of 13. They had a lot of drops. They had a lot of open receivers, just couldn't reel it in. And so – I think that that's definitely going to be a point of emphasis. Like you said, you know, if they can open up the pass game, I mean, that Bremont offense, it could be pretty lethal. They got some guys out there that they get in space. They get open. They're athletic. They're fast. They can move. Uh, you don't see a ton of guys at that small school level that can do that, and they've got those dudes who can. Yeah, no, I, I Coach Kosowski was kind of telling me the same thing uh, in the preseason was they expected to throw the ball a little bit more than they have uh, in the past, even last year when they, I think, threw more than they have at any point since Roshad Paul was there. Um, doesn't seem to have really been the case so far, but I know it's something that they are working on, and it sounds sounds like they're they're work, trying to work out the kinks in there. So, yeah, if, if that's something, if they can kind of make that a consistent addition to to the kind of arsenal, the options that they have on offense, then, yeah, that only will – you know, make their chances of, you know, going far and, and maybe competing for a state championship even better. Um, we got uh, Navasota and Mejia last week, kind of the opposite, a bit of a, a bit of a step back for the Rattlers last week. We've been talking about, you know, all of these about Rockdale and Lexington and Bremont looking really sharp. Navasota not, didn't look so sharp uh, against Mejia last week. I think, I think everybody on our panel, Alex, picked Navasota because they looked so good in the first two weeks of the season uh, with a win over Wharton that was expected. But then, you know, they go down to Sealy, get a big road win there against a team that's at the very least solid every year, and they look to be pretty good again this year too. Definitely step back last week. Um, there was a lot of frustration penalties, some unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, like, when things started going bad, they just kind of snowballed. Um, and they had their chances even early in the first half or late in the first half, early in the second half, they cut it to I think one possession and they had a chance to score and got down into the red zone and just couldn't make it happen. Um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, you know, we're looking at a young quarterback, Jamar Jesse, who had two, two excellent games uh, and then hit his first adversity. So I think that what's going to be the interesting thing is how he bounces back from not as quite of a good performance, but I think the bigger issue is he got his second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the third quarter and was, you know, disqualified from the rest of the game. So 
I think it'll be interesting to see, A, how Coach Dacus, you know, what, what he throws out there next week, um, you know, whether it's he still goes with Jesse full-time like he has been or whether it's more 50-50 or how he approaches that, and then how Jesse himself actually bounces back from, from that uh, loss against Mahaya. I went up to Navasota on Tuesday, Jeff, and talked to Coach Dacus. It's actually the Huff and Navasota games are KX FNL game of the week. Sorry for plugging it, but I had to. And you, do you guys remember the old Dwayne Wade commercials, fall down seven times, get up eight? Y'all remember those? Yes. Well, that, that's kind of what I think this Navasota situation is. They got punched in the face last Friday. There, there's no other way to say it. They came in. I talked to a couple of kids. They said, we expected to win. We saw their record was 0-2. We were 2-0. We're going to be 3-0. They're going to be 0-3. And the Black Cats came in, punched them in the face, and they couldn't recover. They were knocked down, though. They weren't knocked out. And I think this response is what Coach Dacus is intrigued at by his team. They had a long, an extra, Coach Dacus said about double as long as usual film session on Saturday where they broke down, hey, this is where we could have done better. This is how we got to fix it. And he said the kids, when they see it on film, it, it's a different it's just a different animal. They, in the heat of a moment, you don't necessarily want to listen to your coach. The coach says, hey, you were three steps outside. You should have been inside. The kid's like, no, I well, when you see it on film, you know exactly where you were and how to kind of correct those mistakes. It's a young Navasota team. This is growing pains. Um, remember, they were winless in non-district play the past two years. So the fact that they were 2-0 and was already two more wins they've had in non-district than the previous two seasons combined. And I think they let it, they let it get to their heads a little bit. And sometimes a reality check's a good thing. Uh, it's a non-district game, so it, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter that much. Uh, but the reality check, I think, is going to be the best thing this team could have got. And getting crushed by Mejia, 38-14 on your home turf, is going to kind of reset their minds and, and make them refocus to get back to what they were doing so well in the first two weeks of the season. We'll kind of take this moment to kind of transition into talking about next week um, since again, it's your, it's your game of the week for, for KAGs. They got another, like, like we've been talking about on this podcast since we, you know, came back for football season. This is a really tough non-district slate for Navasota trying to get prepared for the, uh, really tough district they have ahead. They got Huffman Hargrave this week, another, another big opponent. And you mentioned, you know, they're, the film session is hopefully what they needed to get back on track. What are some of the things that they're looking at trying to fix? Uh, Coach Dacus said, oh, I'm going to mess this up, Coach. I'm sorry. Alignment, assessment, alignment, technique. And he said when they looked back at the film, they weren't lined up properly a lot of times against the weird slot. Hey, it runs a weird slot T offense, which they hadn't seen yet. So they were – or unproperly aligned a lot of the times they incorrectly assessed the the play with the black cats running and their technique they weren't in the spots to make tackles and that kind of just led to a continual rolling ball of demise he said you know we we broke that down play by play position group by position group and all the kids seem to have a better grasp on what they they missed Huffman runs a spread offense which is what they saw the first two weeks of the season and their defense did a pretty good job. I know Sealy put up 28 points, but overall that defense came up with a big stop late that the Rattlers needed. And then the other thing was just uh, keeping their cool. As you mentioned, Jesse, you know, got disqualified from the game. Uh, a couple other kids just once the game got out of hand, they couldn't refocus. And he kind of chalked it up to being uh, – he hopes it 
was chalked up to being a young team who hasn't been through that fire yet. And now that they have that experience, they'll be that much better moving forward because of it. Yeah, no, I think uh, it just like, – like I said, until, it really got out of hand late, but they were in it for most – they were in it for until probably about the fourth quarter. They had their chances, and it just like every time something came up, uh, every, every time an opportunity came up, it was, you know, two steps – or one step forward, two steps back, shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. Um, so, yeah, I think if they can get a lot of those things cleaned up, they'll be in just about every game the rest of the season. Um, and like you said – they went 0-4 the last two years in non-district and then went through an easy district, I think undefeated or maybe one loss the past couple seasons. This district, I'm not sure they'll be able to do that. Definitely not as easily as they have. So I think this, this non-district success, um, barring the Mejia game, is, is definitely a good sign for the Rattlers. Um, but I also want to turn it over to, to you and uh, to Mike and Alex. What are – what are the games on your radar for week four? Obviously, the head, looking down at what the schedule is, the, the headliners to me are Cameron and Lexington and Rockdale and Belleville. Yeah, I think we already touched on Cameron and Lexington kind of and with that, but Rockdale, I mean, <laughs> you lose last week to Lexington and you turn around and you get to play Belleville, who they already beat Cameron pretty pretty soundly uh scored 55 points on Cameron so that's not going to be an easy game for Rockdale to bounce back with uh Belleville's going to give them some issues yeah that that's interesting the Navasota Huffman game should be fun and I'm excited about district play starting we got Milano Snook Milano Snook excuse me and Burton Iola two all Brazos Valley showdowns in district play we're only week four guys and we already got district play so I'm kind of hyped to see that uh, yeah, that's what I'm excited about. We we have district play and 5A and 6A and taps haven't even started yet. So it's just <laughs> it's another it's another tick mark under the 2020 yeah. uh, year. Um, but yeah, no, let's get into just a little briefly into Milano and Snook. Um, Milano started the season with a win that most of us here at the Eagle didn't quite expect over Valley Mills. I think most of us or all of us picked Valley Mills, but Milano came out and, you know, really – uh, was dominant against Valley Mills. I don't remember the exact score, but it was a lot to a little. Um, and then have kind of come off disappointing losses the last two, haven't looked quite as sharp. Um, and meanwhile, Snook is, like we talked about last week, probably one of the best 0-2 teams uh, in the area, and now one of the best 0-3 teams in the area. It's probably not a designation they want, but if you look at the games they've played, Two-point two loss to Caldwell. Uh, Six-point loss to number 10, Thorndale, who didn't score an offensive touchdown against them. And then last week, barely lost to – oh, crap. Who did they play? I can't Thrall. remember. But, well, who was it? Thrall, right? Thrall, right. Yeah, a one-point loss to Thrall. So, I, like, three losses by a combined nine points and one of them to the top 10, uh, top 10 team in 2A Division One. So – I think there's a lot to build on for Snook and Milano is trying to get kind of that mojo back from week one. What do you, uh, you know, what are you guys looking for in this game? I'm curious to see if Milano can get something rolling on offense. I mean, they've been shut out the last, that's, that's kind of troublesome if you're Milano and last week with Josh Millar kind of having his injury issue, can he get healthy again and, 
can they go toe to toe with Snook, who they're hungry for a first win? They've been so close, but haven't been able to come away victorious. Um, it, I, I think, it's going to be a good game, and both sides are looking to prove something on Friday. I just think Snook has the superior athletes on the outside in this game, and we haven't seen a. a Massive performance from junior quarterback Garrett Lero yet. I think this is the week uh, the Blue Jays star signal caller kind of breaks out of the show. And then real brief before we go, I think probably one of the surprise teams to me and not necessarily in a great way is Burton. You know, I think we all expected, you know, Burton is obviously not the same team without Caleb Harmel and D Winters. And we saw that last year, but I think just when, when you see Burton, you expect, you know, you expect some, you expect wins mostly. Uh, that's what we, what we've come to expect from that program. And I think they're 0-3 now. What is it going to take for them to get things turned around in district? I'll be honest with you, Jeff. I have not seen Burton play yet. I've only talked to Coach Hody before the season started. And I know he said it was a young team. He liked the talent, but they had to grow up. And uh, sometimes that pre-district, that non-district slate can help guys grow up. I know it, their, their first three games haven't been against pushovers. It's not like they lost to anyone who we looked at and said, oh, Burton should win this game by 50, and then, you know, they end up losing. Right. Uh, I think it's just growing pains, and maybe the district slate might be a little easier than their non-district slate, and that could be the best thing for them. But I don't think we've actually had Burton highlights on ASO yet, I mean, on FNL, because – They've played on the road and just we haven't got to it. So I, I'd be lying to tell you I have the, the key to success for the Panthers, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the same reason that not, not that none of us here at the Eagle are all that familiar with it either is just because all their games have been on the road. They've been out of the area. But I think that's one thing to watch going into district play. Um, and that district is, is really interesting because it's, it's almost an all Brazos Valley district. I think there's like four, five teams in that district from our, from our area. So it'll be one to watch as it, as it opens play this week. Um, before we go, anything sticking out to you guys elsewise about uh, week four? Hey, here's the hoping that Hearn can play. Back-to-back yes. games canceled yeah, due to COVID. And Hearn's playing Harden this Friday. Um, I know they're ready to get back on the field. They were they were going to have a chance to go and toe-to-toe against Franklin. That got canceled. And, you know, the, it was the other teams canceling the last two days. And I know Coach Sargent told us at the Eagle that, you know, it's important for them to play one more game before it starts next week. And I, I agree with them. You don't want to be rolling in a district play kind of in a no-man's land, kind of three weeks down, not really knowing what you got. Yeah. I mean, that's tough, especially when those are the games that really matter when you're talking about playoff seeding and Hearn's a playoff contending team. So, yeah, here's the hoping Hearn could play. (laughs) Hearn is good this year. Micah Smith's a stud. So that'll wrap it up here for us at the Eagle. We'll be looking forward to see what Hearn can do. Quick before we go, Twitter plugs. Mike? At KAGS underscore Lucas. Follow me if you like bad content. And one quick plug before we go – just the Eagle Riders, Travis is going to be out at Navasota Huffman Hargrave. Um, I'll be out at Centerville. They're playing Palestine Westwood. Should be a good game. Thorn- Centerville rolled past Thorndale last week, so we'll see what happens. And, yeah, so I think that's where our Eagle coverage is this week. All right, and I'm at Jay Perkins underscore Eagle. We'll see you next week.